What is up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Top Rope Nation Extra, the official bonus podcast of the Top Rope Nation Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'm the host of the show, Ryan Drosty. I've covered the pro wrestling industry in some fashion for over 20 years now at many different outlets, including the Wrestling Observer, Sports Illustrated, CBS, Pop Culture, Comic Book, and various others. My co-host is Kyle Ross, probably... I would have to say the smartest wrestling fan and analyst I have ever met. Kyle, that's why I like to call you the Wrestling Rain Man. We've been doing a podcast together for almost five years now. You were just in the great state of Michigan this week, are freshly home from your journey up north. How's the trip, Kyle? It was good. It was good. Uh, came back, of course, with a little cold, but whatever. I'm ready to go. I appreciate the kind words. Smartest man, uh, smartest fan, I should say, in wrestling. I don't know if I can live up to that. I just like to think I'm an asshole with an opinion, but here we go, and let's see how we do it. <laughs> hey, man, I think that anyone that has listened to our flagship podcast, they would agree. I mean, you are the you are the brains behind Top Rope Nation, man. You carry it from a historical perspective oh, each and every week. I'm interested to know if you're going to say the same thing in about 60 minutes here, man. We'll see what I can do. <laughs> I've been out of the loop. It's weird. When you go on vacation and you're not on Twitter all the time, and you're not watching all the shows, you you feel dumb. I don't know. I'm kind of going in blind. I'm a little scared. Usually I've got all those notes, and I think you and Justin roll your eyes at me. Oh, my God. How much does this man want to talk about? I got nothing right now. I have not ta- I have not watched TakeOver. I have not watched The Last Dynamite. Uh, I apologize to our listeners. Usually I always do my due diligence. But um, I think in the case of NXT, uh, what I saw the results from the results doesn't change my big picture outlook at all on that brand. And, um, yeah. I know we've got some other interesting topics to talk about today. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've also kind of been out of the loop last week. Uh, I was I was out of state last week. Then this week you were out of state. So we're trying to get uh, get our feet back under us here as as we get going on the podcast again. It's near uh, it's near triple digits here in Iowa today. It's one of the hottest days in like a decade. But uh, I'm ready to cool down. Talk all the latest in the world of pro wrestling and. I see we've got some people joining us here uh, on the app here on what is now called Spotify Green Room. So uh, if you want to get involved in the show as we go, just make sure to uh, raise your hand. We'll get you up on the stage. We'll get you all involved as we go. And as I said, uh, this is Top Rope Nation Extra. It's a weekly show we've been doing now for about a month and a half on what was formerly the Locker Room app. It is now freshly, as of this week, called Spotify Green Room. So anyone that is out there listening can join us live weekly simply by getting the app on Android or Apple. Following myself and Kyle, we will invite you to the room every time we are live. Like I said, we do this every single week. And if you can't listen live, good news. We post the full live show on demand as a podcast after the fact by way of our Patreon page. So that's right. If you sign up to become a patron at patreon.com slash top rope nation, you gain access to this exclusive bonus podcast each and every week on demand and at your convenience, plus our monthly bonus show, Top Rope Nation Classics, other great benefits. Check it out. But that being said, this week's Top Rope Nation Extra show is actually going out to our main feed so that all of our wonderful flagship show listeners can hear what we're doing over here on the Spotify Green Room app. Maybe entice them to check out a live show on the app in the future or to become a patron of the show so you never miss an episode. Um, For those of you on our main feed, we will be back either Sunday night or Monday morning with our review of WWE 
Hell in a Cell, and that show will be available wherever podcasts are found, as we are each and every week. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so that you never miss an episode of our always free weekly flagship show, Going Strong, since July 2016. Kyle, as I said, this Sunday, or as I was going to say, this Sunday is Father's Day. We've got a holiday on the horizon, and nobody likes to put on pay-per-views during holidays like the World Wrestling Federation. So we thought we would start off the show talking about some of the great father-son and father-daughter wrestling family trees in history. So when we talk about who are, who are the best you know, family trees in wrestling history, who immediately comes to your mind, Kyle? Oh, who comes to my mind? Uh, the Hearts come to my mind. The Funks. The Von Erics. Who am I missing? The Funks, the Von Erics, the Hearts. I'd say like, you know, the, the Ortons, three generations. Bob Sr., mm-hmm. Bob Jr., Randy. Um, of course, the Flares now you've got to throw in with Rick and Charlotte. Of course, Reed wrestled for his tragic death as well. Um, DB Roses, yeah, yeah, certainly the Rose, Dusty, um, obviously Dustin, and, and what Cody has been doing. Uh, the Hennigs, uh, who else? I mean, there, there have been a lot of two generation, three generation wrestling families in history. Uh, yeah, Garrett's in the chat, Blackjack Mulligan, and Barry Windham, right? For mm-hmm. sure. That's a good one. I see Barry Windham's going to be in Waterloo here in about a month for the Tragos. Oh. That's Hall of Fame. Rocky Johnson and The Rock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. And, of course, okay. the High Chief, Peter Maivia, making it a three genera- another three-generation thing. Mm-hmm. And then we've got uh, – um, why didn't I just blank? I had somebody else in my mind, and now I can't remember. The Poffos. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. Angela and Randy Poffo. Yeah, and plus, who could forget about Leaping Lanny as well? Yes, that's right. Um, Guerreros. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Vince and Shane McMahon. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess you guys throw the McMahons in there for sure. No, did you, that, that was another. Uh, maybe Garrett could laugh at this one because I saw Dave was arguing with another one of those famous people with like eight followers on Twitter who was like very oh, upset no. that Vince and Shane were not mentioned in a similar discussion online. Mm. come on i mean i i have a list here in my notes that i'll you know the families i wanted to make sure to mention i was like I, i'll probably bring up the mcmahons but yeah I, I was thinking more traditional wrestlers of course vince and stephanie and shane have all been in the ring at various times but um you know a, l- a little bit different there but yeah i mean if, if any of you guys want to talk about who are your favorite wrestling families in history and get you up on the stage and talk i mean for me for me, it's got to be the Hearts. I mean, I've, I grew big up a surprise. massive Bret. Yeah, big surprise if you listen to the podcast. I mean, I grew up a massive Bret Hart fan, and, and you just look at what Stu did—not only as a wrestler, but of course as a promoter and a trainer over all those years—and then to have all of his sons get into, involved in the business at some point. You know, his, his daughters married into the business, but of course, Bret and Owen kind of raising, rising to the top, the cream of the crop there from the family. Of course. Bruce probably wouldn't like to hear that, but Bruce, number three, I'll throw Bruce Hart, number three, but Brett, no one, I mean, my God, two of, two of the greatest of all time when it comes to between the ropes. So <laughs> Bruce really tried at SummerSlam 93, didn't he? <laughs> to get as much TV time as he could. 
Yeah. <laughs> Garrett, I see Garrett's note in the chat room. Thanks for joining us today, Garrett. Check out Fight Game Media, great podcast that Garrett and the boys have been doing. They're available on the Wrestling Observer now, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, I guess Bruce tried to get involved at uh, WrestleMania, too. Brett's uh, Brett's match there at 26 tried to uh, steal yes. the show in his own way. <laughs> yes, Bruce, uh, vintage Bruce, yeah, for vintage. sure. Um, but you know, I it, it's interesting when you pose this question. I mean, you know, the feud come to mind right off the rip; they're fairly obvious. But I was thinking of like famous like father and son angles, right, where they really played on that dynamic and. You know, it's hard because obviously, you know, there's a generation split. So sometimes, you know, the father is, you know, no longer active when the son starts or, or barely active. Um, There aren't that many, are there? Like when you think of like, you know, obviously WWE's trying their to do whatever they do with Ray and Dominic um, mm-hmm. right now. And, and that's going to be an angle on that Hell in a Cell this Sunday, you know, as Ray Russell's Roman Reigns. Um, I, I guess they're going to, um, I would imagine they're going to mention Father's Day several times during that match. But the two that come to mind, like, you know, were Randy Savage and Ric Flair, who actually wrestled on Father's Day. It was the 95 Bash. They played off an angle where Flair attacked Angelo Poffo, which <laughs> uh, caused Gordon Sully to quit WCW because he was disgusted with the idea that Angelo Poffo would be in the WCW Hall of Fame. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, the I think my favorite father-son moment, unless if you can think of something that will have me change my mind, is the famous The View Never Changes promo with Dusty and Dustin on Saturday night in 94. That, um, I think, was probably the peak father-son moment in wrestling history. I'm trying to think um, of something else. You know, I just I just need a hug and a kiss. I mean, that is what it's all about, baby. <laughs> I mean, I, I I'm trying to think, were, off, I, think offhand if there's anything that would even come close to that. And, and I just don't think there is. It's hard, you know, for a lot of times, the sons, I mean, that's a tough spot. They flame out. And, you know, I, I think we had talked about this. In the past, Dustin, all the, you know, the shit he got, you know, mm. because Dusty was the booker. Um, and, but and he was, you know, a lot better in, in retrospect than he was made out to be in real time. But, uh, yeah, that was, you know, how ironic. Um, that That's probably the best father-son moment in wrestling that I can think of. I'm pretty shocked, Kyle, because I thought when you, you had your lead in there, the big lead into this moment you were going to bring up, I thought you were going to say Madison Square Garden – August 1991, Bret Hart takes his newly won Intercontinental Championship over to his mother and father on the lower level of MSG. And they're, they're talking, they're having a moment. Stu was talking to Lord Alfred Hayes, and Lord Alfred Hayes cuts him off. <laughs> Stu, what do you think about that? Okay, back to you, Gorilla. <laughs> One of the most odd segments in the history of pay-per-view. I think Stu kept talking after the microphone was pulled from him. He did. He was saying something like this is one of the great days in his life or something, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. No, it's hard but to yeah. think of. You're right, though. It's it's hard to think of like a, a great, you know, it was cool to see the Mysterios win the tag titles. Mm-hmm. Um, but, to, yeah, to think of the the cross-generational moment, yeah, like, I mean, 
Rick's come out with Charlotte on numerous occasions. It's not and really special when it happens anymore. <laughs> yeah. Okay, not special is one way to put it. I'll say they all suck. And <laughs> like, didn't Charlotte recently do an interview where she says she doesn't like doing it at all? Yeah, yeah. Well, then why do they keep doing it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> Why do you keep doing it? And like Rick, like, like uh, I love how like all of the parties involved with the angle that the you know the, the angle that they were doing with Lacey that had to be you know just you know thrown into the garbage bin because Lacey got pregnant. Like everyone's yeah. like, yeah, I, I hated that angle. Like everyone involved was like, that was terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, do, do they not stop? And like, if your talent isn't comfortable doing an angle, why are you doing it? It never works. If your talent's not comfortable, it's never going to work. I, I just wanted to throw my first pot shot in at modern WWE here. <laughs> well, we can, we can, this is going to be a very free flowing discussion. You know, like I said, guys, if, you, if you're in the room, you want to talk about your favorite families in wrestling history. We're doing this kind of for Father's Day. Let us know. Get up on the, get up on the stage or raise your hand. I'll call you up on the stage. <laughs> we can get you involved in the show. But speaking of Charlotte, um, <laughs> I wanted to mention that I don't know if you saw, but WWE has been selling these uh, cameos now. Like limited yes. cameos are very, very expensive, right? So um, Charlotte hasn't sold a single one. <laughs> did you see? Wow, that? no, I did not. Yeah, you could get an Alexa Bliss one. It was like six hundred dollars or something for thirty seconds. There was ten of them. They all sold. Um, I got to find the tweet. Charlotte, yeah, Charlotte had not. Sold. I have to kind of like put my phone down. So normally when we do these shows, we can use our desktop mics, but with the switch over to Spotify right now, we're not able to. So if you're listening on our main podcast feed, if you notice a dip in audio, we're actually, we're literally recording this week uh, with our phones. So that is why, but yeah, no, Charlotte, last, last I saw Charlotte had not sold any of the high priced uh, cameos. So maybe she doesn't want to do those either. If she did want to do those, maybe she's happy about that. Who knows? But yeah. You know, I, I was thinking, you know, it, it's funny, like, when you think now, like, it used to be a curse being second generation, right? You had mm-hmm. that string of David San Martino, Greg Gagne, uh, Eric Watts, where it was just like, everyone kind of like gagged, oh, no, like, they're pushing the sun. And, you know, some of that, again, like we talked about a little bit with Dustin, Dustin was that. Uh, Bruno and David, this was not the case. Hold on. <laughs> Hello? Um, he, uh, yeah, I tried to call Ash up on the, on the stage, but his, his audio was loud. So if I call you guys up, just make sure you get it on mute until I bring, uh, bring no. you on to the show. And then what? Go no. on <laughs> that really threw me <laughs> off. But I was going to say, you know, like Bruno and David, it wasn't the case. You know, Bruno was obviously not booking, but like all those other ones, I think there was some resentment because the father like was in a position of power. But now it's kind of seen more blessing than curse, right? Like how many people oh, yeah. do we are there with ties? Like, I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. That you know have you know some sort of family or second generation or, or part of a wrestling family. That's you know it's a way to get in. Um, obviously, it's a it's a great way to get a foot in the door. Um, but um, yeah, it's very interesting how that's evolved over time. You know, it's gone from curse to almost blessing. Dare I say? I found that uh, that cameo list. So okay. uh, yeah, Charlotte's were three hundred fifty dollars each. None have sold. Uh, Alexa's were six hundred dollars each. All ten have sold. Uh, Rhea Ripley, $350 each, same as Charlotte. All 10 of hers have sold. Get this, Shawn Michaels, $750 for a 30-second cameo. Nine of 10 had sold as of last check. 
It's going to be great. When, it's going to be great. When, how long are those cameos from Sean? <laughs> 30 seconds to 60 seconds, I believe. Kind of in there. It's going to be great when he forgets the person's name 15 seconds in. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, let's see. Ash, let's get you up on the stage. What do you want to talk about? What's on your mind? Hey, guys. What's up? How's it going? Hey, pretty good. Yeah, so um, so you guys were talking about, like, the best families. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, for me, I would say the hearts. There we go. Yeah, I was a big Brett and Owen fan. Yeah, for me, like, if you've ever heard our, our regular podcast, I'm a huge, massive Bret Hart fan. So, like, I, I said, too, the, the hearts for me are number one, no doubt about it. I mean... No one that's listening to this that's heard us before is probably uh, very surprised by that, but I'm glad to hear some backup there. I, I think it's tough to top, you know, what Stu did as a promoter, what he did as yeah. a trainer, you know, and then with what a lot of, you know, not just Brett and Owen, but many of his sons did in the ring, but Brett and Owen definitely at the top of the list for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But who, who else pops to your mind other than the hearts? Any other kind of family uh, favorite father-son, father-daughter duos in wrestling history? Um, I, 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 of course, the Guerreros were cool. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed, um, I, I do like the Mysterios. I'm, I was happy when they won the tag belts. Great well, pay-per-view moment, modern history. Yeah. yeah. And that Samoan family, it's like they have so many people. Yeah, uh, like Rikishi and the Usos. Rikishi, the Usos, The Rock. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we might have four generations on on The Rock's direct family line. You start with Peter Maivia, of course, Rocky Johnson, The Rock, and now his daughter is training too. Yeah. So, who knows? Fourth generation star maybe in the pipeline there. Kyle, who... Who is your, so we've both said the hearts rise to the top of our list. If you had to choose, like, what's your favorite father-son, father-daughter combo, Kyle? I don't know who's my favorite. And you're not, like, a fan anymore. <laughs> you, you always look at this yeah, from, like, I know, the I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think, like, who is, like, my favorite? Um, hmm. I guess it's the hearts. Um. It's, I was trying to think when you guys were talking, did WWE slash F, they never really played up a family that much pre-Brett, did they? That was like the first time that like an outside family, like they talked about, you know, the guy's family was a key component of the storyline, wasn't it? Like, can you think of another time pre ninety? Two ninety three ish Brett, where mm. a guy's actual family was really played up at all on WWF television. I'm trying because yeah, they, they didn't do it much with Randy and Lanny, and even like when Owen all. Came yeah, in. but they weren't they weren't yeah they weren't acknowledged at all. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, but they only it. acknowledged Randy with his dad. Yeah. When you yep. know he would feud with the Undertaker when he had that WrestleMania stuff going on, but yeah, Brett. Oh, with Randy Orton, yeah. yeah Brett yeah, and yeah. Orton was like the real first like 
Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like food. Any, yeah, like anytime, like, you know, because I mean, they when like the Funks came in for their little bit, that was like not played up at all. Like, the, you know, what a legacy they had. You know, Terry Funk was just kind of, you know, this wild guy from the Double Cross Ranch. You know, it wasn't like, oh, it's this all-time great wrestling family. I mean, that was not played up. Um, you know, they let Ricky Steamboat bring his kid on television a couple times, right when he was born. But that wasn't part like of a wrestling angle. Yeah, I mean, that's what I think. What role did that play, you think, for Bret? I mean, you're the big Bret Hart fan, Ryan. In his uniqueness, that was because, like, it was the Bulldog match at Wembley, right? When oh, like, what it, it was like out of the back. blue, mm. it was like out of the blue. Like they announced the match, it had like you know because they just threw away the ex- existing SummerSlam card when they did the Wembley show, and they just came out with all new matches. The SummerSlam you never thought you'd see, as they called it, and they announced Brett and Davy was the Intercontinental Title match, and I remember Gene Oakland saying. And folks, most of you may not know this, these two are actually related, and they're brother-in-laws, and they turned that, obviously, into the storyline because they had nothing else to go with. They were both baby faces. That was kind of like the first time they inserted, like, the... I mean, like, I, you mentioned they showed Stu um, the year before, but in terms of, like, the, the larger Hart family, that's kind of where it began, wasn't it? Yeah, and I mean, yeah. everyone, everyone bought in, too, you know, because it was... Obviously, there was a lot of... Uh, veins of reality in that storyline and it was easy for people to get invested in that which I guess kind of makes it surprising that they didn't do that much before that but that did so much for both of those guys and then it turned around and you know just just over a year later they start doing the thing with Brett and Owen I guess you know starting off at Survivor Series 93 and then all through 94 I mean that story did more to elevate Owen Hart than anything i mean mm-hmm. brett basically made his took him from lower to mid card and and made him a legit main eventer i mean he should have been a main eventer for the rest of his career after yeah that i agree yeah so it's it's hard to like yeah brett as far as involving his family members goes i there's really nothing else in wrestling history even remotely close to as successful when it comes to family yeah. members would you say yeah, like they didn't even like, i mean they didn't like even ag- they didn't even acknowledge like these people really had personal lives, right? Yeah. Like they, 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 yeah. I mean, they, they, cause in the eighties they were marketed as like these just like larger than life superheroes who, you know, just they weren't like real people. I mean, I, I think a lot of that had to do with the shift in promotion when, when they stopped doing that in the nineties. Um, and Brett was probably, I guess the good point man for that, but yeah, they didn't acknowledge it. It's not like they talked about Hulk Hogan's family, no. like in the eighties at all. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was that. I mean, they didn't even acknowledge Randy Savage and Elizabeth were actually married. No, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, they, they, they had them get married on TV, you know, six years after they were actually married. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they've, they've tried. I mean, wouldn't you agree, Ash? They've kind of tried to replicate what they did with the hearts numerous times over the years, like with family members. or yeah, And, and it's, it's never really worked out yeah. as well. Like they've never had that it's always seems so staged versus that seems so real. And I then think you have the crazy family, the McMahons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're just over the top with the McMahon stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. been like the center part of the show. at various Like, times especially for... the attitude era, like yeah. all those, the Hunter Stephanie story and, you know, 
I mean, they're doing it right now, I guess, with the Usos and Roman Reigns, and that has been pretty mm-hmm. good. I mean, yeah. we're not talking about siblings or father, son or anything, but, you know, yeah. cousins. Cousins, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it can work when, when done well. It can work very well, but it's yeah. hard to think of an example of, like, a father and son that has had that overlap. I guess, like, Larry Hennig and Kurt did some stuff pretty yeah, they, early in Kurt's career. Yeah, they te- they would team up and whatnot. And, um, yeah, I mean, even Bruno and David teamed up i yeah. think that that did pretty well at the garden um oh. off the first wrestlemania and gold dust mm-hmm. team that would team up with uh, dusty early in his career yep yeah that's how yeah. that's how dustin was brought in as yeah. a matter of fact i mean oh there we go the we were wrong that we were wrong that was when they did it dustin dusty and dustin was actually the first yeah good that was in wwf first when oh, yeah. came in, in in late yeah. 1990 right before they they left them I mean, it was like it was like very odd timing. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. glad you mentioned that, Ash. But yeah, that was absolutely it. When they, yeah. you know, um, Dustin was like just sitting at ringside and DiBiase attacked him. And like it led to a, a tag match yeah. uh, with DiBiase and Virgil, which was basically just a backdrop for the Virgil babyface turn because the Roses were leaving. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. That's a good, I think it's a pretty, you tie that up there. That's a good discussion on families and wrestling to get you primed for Father's Day on Sunday. Um, like I said at the top, we will be reviewing Hell in a Cell, but I don't know. Like normally over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Top Rope Nation, we will go live after WWE pay-per-views and review the shows. But I don't really know what's on deck for Father's Day for me. It's usually kind of a surprise. I don't know what you're doing, Kyle, or other co-host Justin. So we're going to kind of play that by ear. We will either be recording Sunday night or maybe early Monday. But we will be pushing out that review uh, to YouTube and, and to our, our main podcast feed, as always. But uh, let's shift gears here. Let's talk about some, some current topic going on in pro wrestling. Uh, of, of course, WWE has SummerSlam on the horizon. SummerSlam is going to be in Las Vegas. As good friend of the show, Andrew Zarian of Matman, first broke the news several weeks ago. And then WWE Andrew's been all that. over it recently. He has. And uh, actually, Andrew told me, too, that, uh, you know, Cena Reigns was the plan for SummerSlam. He kind of told me that off the record before that came out. Uh, the whole Cardi B thing. Andrew had all of that. He had all the scoops. So uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about WWE treating uh, SummerSlam as kind of WrestleMania this year. You know, you're, they're going to have a packed house, you would think, in Las Vegas for that. Uh, a John Cena-Roman Reigns main event is massive. I don't yes. care what you think about either of those guys. Personally, I know they're kind of divisive amongst fans. But my God, that's a great SummerSlam main event if they can do it. And then they're talking about trying to get the rock at survivor series oh. and uh you know springboard that into a reigns rock match at wrestlemania in dallas next year i would assume then that that would mean that the following year when mania is in los angeles are inducting the rock in hollywood to the hall of fame yeah that's that, that's what i would think but ash since we still got you on the line here uh, as a listener not someone that we get to talk to as often well, let's hear your thoughts, man. Like, what do you think about John Cena and Roman Reigns at SummerSlam? Oh, I'm, I want that to happen. I'm a big fan of both guys, actually. So, Roman and I love Roman's heel turn. I think it's the best thing going on today. And mm-hmm. John Cena is a well-respected guy. He's been around. Um, I, I think in the later years, people started to respect Cena more. 
Yeah. Especially agreed. with like when he did the US challenge, I think that opened eyes because some people try to say, oh, Cena's not that good in the ring. But you go back to some of those Cena matches, you you see he can work. Yeah. If given the right opponent, definitely. Um Cena Roman should be great if it happens. That that's that has like a WrestleMania feel to it, and that will help out SummerSlam, right? With fans, you'll have back. A, yeah. yeah, you'll have a full stadium. A you full, know, they had the yeah. stadium at WrestleMania, but it was still limited. Um, what was that like a quarter full or something like that? a third, something something like that? I can't remember. I, I don't think it was quite half full, was it? I think it was pretty. It was still kind of spaced out. I mean, you're gonna have. Hopefully, you know that's you know that fifty to sixty thousand number for SummerSlam. That's what yeah. they're hoping for. Yeah, it was probably like a third full or something for WrestleMania that Raymond James Stadium, right? I mean, an NFL. Stadium. Yeah, it was like twenty five thousand, wasn't it? Yeah. So, so is Cardi B gonna perform? Because they they show her song and stuff. And the yeah, so they want her to be the host of SummerSlam, and you're gonna use the song as the as the theme, and that she's gonna be on the show as like a host, and yeah, definitely perform as well. That was the working plan, as I had heard. Yeah, so I, I could see her trying to <laughs> trash talk one of the females and have it. Yeah, because she had that Twitter stuff going on, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. who was that You're with? Gonna... She, I think, I believe it was with. Was it with Dana Brooke? It was like one of those girls. Yeah, something. I can't remember either. Yeah, but Kyle, what do you, what do you think about John Cena, Roman Reigns being the the rumored SummerSlam main event? I mean, I. I feel we talked about this once before. It's it's definitely the, a bigger match than anything they've got otherwise, um, mm-hmm. and it's what they should do. I mean, and you know, as far as treating SummerSlam as you know, kind of this year's WrestleMania, it makes sense. You're going on tour. You know, things are getting ramped up. You want a big impression. You know, I mean, again, this is going to be your first big house theoretically uh, since you're getting things going on the road, so that makes sense. Um, I. And what made me say, I think we've talked about this before, I could have sworn I've said to you, the irony of, like, Cena returning as this, like, champion for the, you know, all fans, right? Given his history. You mentioned how divisive he's been and the idea that, you know, it's Cena they're using in the babyface role against Reigns is is quite ironic uh, when you look back at kind of like the last 10 years or maybe seven years of WWE. But um, it's, I mean, it's, it's the right match to make in that situation. Yeah. Um, and the promos should kind of write themselves, um, yeah. you know. Always been a great promo guy. Yeah, I mean, they, they did the match before. People forgot. I mean, they were afraid that Cena was going to leave. And um, forever, which he pretty much did, you know, and became part-time. So they, they rushed it onto that No Mercy card uh, several years ago. And. You know, I think they had some good promos, if I remember. Um, Cena was definitely the better promo back then, but Reigns is a better character now, so it'll be interesting yeah. to see. Yeah. Yeah, well, this would have the, uh, you know, Cena is a, is a 16-time champion, so you'd have that added aspect of him trying to top Ric Flair's record, mm-hmm. you know, and get the 17th championship win. I get, that gives you some interest as well, but I, do, I don't think that they're going to have problem selling this out but it is interesting you know on a related note that wwe is is having trouble selling tickets to their other uh shows that have been put on sale whether yeah. that's the non-televised events or the uh, the raws and smackdowns 
I think it was Dave Meltzer had the report on this the other day. Mm-hmm. That, uh, yeah, I mean, the sales are well under half of where they normally are in a lot of these markets. In fact, I think in Charlotte, uh, AEW is outperforming WWE when it comes to ticket sales. So, Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Would you go to a WWE TV show? Why? <laughs> I mean, the way I the mean, product is right now, probably back. not. I mean, would you pay to go watch Monday Night Raw? No. I mean, how bored and depra- deprived of entertainment must you be <laughs> to pay to watch Monday Night Raw? It shows hideous. <laughs> like, it's just so bad. Like, I, I mean... I just couldn't imagine. I mean, you know, SmackDown's coming here to Cleveland. I don't know what the closest they're coming to you, Ryan. I'm not going to SmackDown. Somebody's like, oh, man, hey, we should go. I'm like, no, I'll pass. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm not going to that. I would rather go to a pay-per-view event than... than yeah, I mean, Money in the Bank, I guess that one's on pace to sell out in, I think, mm-hmm. Dallas. So and that I one is doing first- well. And the first SmackDown, I think, was doing well, too. Where's that? Houston, I believe. Yeah, and the Chicago market was doing fairly well. But outside of that, you know, they're having difficulty. Um, yeah. So we'll see. I like what Meltzer said, too. It's like about the old Vince, how he would look at these numbers and just, and you know, storm in and say, we're shooting big angles Monday. Mm. And he's like, well, this Vince remains to be seen. And it's been a long time since that quote old Vince that Meltzer referred to, you know, did something like that. Right. I, I was trying to think, um, has there been an angle like shot out of the blue? They did. I mean, they did the thing a couple of years ago where like all the McMahons came out and said that they were going to do like a big reset. It was like they had not, they acknowledged on TV that things weren't going well and it was time to like give you what you want and then nothing really changed. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I had, like two years ago, right? Yeah. Sorry. I had like a freaking spam phone call there. Oh, yeah. But no, I mean, yeah, it's, there's this thing, there's this report out that they want to cut like the cold matches. I guess matches. Yeah, that, well, that nowhere, was very but... odd. Like, I mean, that's like the most bizarre edict because it's like, you're signing off on all that. Like, I, I love, right. like, it's funny how he, like, throws the right, oh, they're just proposing all these cold matches. Well, like, sometimes you have to do a cold match to get something. I, I didn't understand that at all. You're right. Like, just doing two guys and, you know, hey, they're just going to wrestle this week. And, like, nothing is going to come. Yeah, that's stupid. But, like, mm-hmm. um, and you shouldn't do that. But, you know, every match should have a purpose. Um so I, 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 I just, but that, that was like a very odd Vince ism, you know, like, I don't think you should be hot shit. Cause like, didn't they do something like Jeff Hardy, like inexplicably put his career on the line out of nowhere. Yeah. That made no sense. Yeah. You, you can't do that either. Cause that's like Russo shit mm-hmm. right there. Where like all of a sudden you're just hot shot. That, that, that kind of makes it predictable. Like you, we kind of knew, okay, Jeff's going to get a win then. Yeah. I mean like the idea of him retiring, like like that like on an out of the blue step would be like on a raw yeah yeah like i mean that's just like you don't build to it oh and he's done like a guy like jeff hardy i mean i know jeff isn't what he once was but i mean that would that's actually that would be worse than just having two guys have a cold match (laughs) yeah no agree 100 percent agree and and the the best way to to retire a jeff hardy is in a ladder match you gotta end his career like in a match he's famous for sometimes you know, 
that's a, that's a perfect pivot point because one of the things I wanted to bring up as we talked about the card for Sunday is that um, Hell in a Cell as a pay-per-view, and we're probably going to get into the issues we have with this as a theme pay-per-view. We've talked about this on the show before, but I think it's kind of interesting that they chose uh, Money in the Bank as the show to put in front of fans next month as a pay-per-view. Because like, if it was me... I don't know what you guys think about this. I feel like Hell in a Cell is the show you do in front of the fans with the big spectacle of the massive cell. Like, I think having that with fans is something that you should do ahead of the money in the bank. I know they're, they want the reaction to the briefcase, someone winning the briefcase and then, you know, potentially cashing in or whatever. But I don't know, man. I, as I thought about how this is going to look in the, you know, the Thunderdome with the massive Hell in the Cell structure with no fans, I thought, like, this would look so much better in front of fans. I feel like I feel like the ladder matches don't need that that backdrop of, of a sold out arena as much. And you know, we saw last year they did it a little bit differently with Money in yeah. the Bank at at the WWE headquarters and stuff. Oh but, my uh, god, let's never <laughs> reference that again. So I I don't know. I think we need to go back and edit whatever our review shows because I somebody posted that. Or it was WWE that posted it because it was on the like the year anniversary of it happening and I rewatched mm-hmm. it. That was Garbage. Yeah, I mean trash. <laughs> I mean hideousness. I mean, and then that the wrong was... guy won the money in the yeah because they've been ruin- <laughs> ruining money in the bank. I I'm yeah. okay with money in the bank with fans because I think I think they they owe us like a legit money in the bank winner. They can make money in the bank like feel important again. And I feel like Hell in a Cell, ever since that Bray Wyatt Hell in a Cell match, that Hell in a Cell lost its prestige. Yeah, see, I I think internally, Ryan, back to your earlier point, Money in the Bank is now viewed as a bigger deal than Hell in a Cell. I would be fascinated to know what the WWE fan base's opinion on on that is. Because, Ryan, you and I talked, I am probably, and I'm not a good person to this, to to go off this, but I'm as cold on Money in the Bank as like anyone who watches WWE, like in the entire world. Like mm. I I am not a huge Money in the Bank guy. I think it makes for a cool moment in isolation when there's a cash in. But we ran through this last year. Remember, I mean, I buried that freaking gimmick as hard as I could. Where so many of these things just don't matter. They don't create a new star. Um, early on it did and that's how it got effective but you know over the last several years it's just something that i think the creative team views as an albatross it's like oh fuck we got to put a a briefcase on someone and And i don't think they should have made it a pay-per-view they should have just had it at wrestlemania yes it it felt special when it was at wrestlemania oh a nice stipulation match wrestlemania and that could get a lot of the mid carters that are not really on the card as often instead of just putting them in Andre the Giant Battle Royals. Um, and that's that's the issue with Hell in a Cell, though. Yes, too, I was just thinking that. They, they've devalued this match by making it a themed pay-per-view because, like, these... None of these matches they're doing in Hell in a Cell... Is Hell in a Cell worth I mean, I guess you, could, you probably could have naturally built up to it between McIntyre and Lashley. I guess you could have done that. But, mm-hmm. you know, like, usually every year they put these people in the Hell in a Cell... And it's like, 
why they don't need to be in a hell in a cell match. It's just, they're just doing it because it's that time of the year, the calendar's coming up. It's time yeah. for a hell in a cell match, but it's, it's so much better when you can just bring it out of nowhere to cap right. off like a really intense view. And so, yeah. Yeah. So like the way they've been doing this with the, with the theme pay-per-view and to Kyle's point of you know, money in the bank ranks higher and, you know, in their tiers backstage or whatever, and how they're looking at their show it shouldn't be that way. Like Hell in no. a Cell should be the ultimate blow off match. And it's not anymore. It's just a, a gimmick match. They do whenever they have the pay-per-view and that's it. Well, yeah, I mean, money in the bank is essentially just, you know, uh, like someone Hell in a Cell. It's like, okay, it's that time of year. We've just got to find six to eight guys or gals to throw in the match. And a lot of times they're not built up well over the course of, you know, a long stretch, you know, there's, you know, 75% of them, you know, they're not going to win. Uh, it was very funny. I was alerted to this by uh, one of our listeners that on last year's preview for Money in the Bank, in our breakdown of the men's match, do you know what the first thing I said was, Ryan? That you couldn't buy any of these people winning? Nope. I said, well, first things first, you know Otis isn't going to win. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and, <laughs> well, dun, 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 dun. Uh, uh, but like, and, and then of course he did. And then, you know, like Ash said, he didn't do anything with briefcase. They took it from him because they realized it was a stupid idea. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's funny because the same thing kind of happened to Money in the Bank that happened to Hell in a Cell is what you guys are saying. Like, all the matches run together since it became a pay per view. Like, I can remember most of the Hell in a Cell's when it was not a theme pay-per-view, when it was just, you know, done at an appropriate, t- at a natural appropriate time in the calendar year. Same with Money in the Bank. Like, I can name, you know, the six people that were in it the first time or, you know, the, the, the people that were in it at 22 or probably 23, but it just gets foggy. And it's like, when you get into that territory, when it's just plug and play, I mean, that's the WWE in a nutshell, where it's yeah. just everyone's sort of like this replaceable, disposable performer and there's just no special element to it. Um, I do think Lashley and McIntyre is a natural fit for this. That's actually, you know, I think we said that on our Backlash post-show, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about that it would make sense for them to do the sell and for it to be Drew's last chance. And that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. So I, I'll applaud them for that. I think the only interesting thing at Hell in a Cell is that the respective matches feel like referendums on both Drew McIntyre and Rhea Ripley. If, you know, it's really like if McIntyre doesn't win in that spot, what are you doing with him moving forward? And do you just, is that just WWE saying, well, we view Bobby Lashley as the bigger star now? Um, because it's it's a spot where the babyface wins often, you know. Yeah, last right? chance. Yeah, yeah, usually. last chance. I mean, yeah, John I mean, Cena's been in these matches. Yeah, I mean, you don't want the babyface to fail. Last chance. I mean, unless if you're thinking like, unless he's term. going to another, unless he's going to like a brand split. Like if he goes yes. to a, another brand. Yeah, which speaks to a problem when it's like one guy, oh, he can't win this title, but then he just goes into the brand. It kind of cheapens your steps, in my opinion. And then Rhea Ripley, if she doesn't beat Charlotte Flair. Um, I, I think that's another thing that, that um, you know, I, I think would speak volumes. Well, hey, man, if those cameo sales are any indication yeah, of people I mean, power, yeah. Rhea Ripley's sold out and Charlotte hasn't yeah. sold a single one. So, 
<laughs> Keep the belt on Rhea Ripley. That's what the dollars say. And they they added the Shayna Baszler match. Oh my gosh. Oh God. Let's not even get into this storyline. Kyle might have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> this Alexa Bliss Shayna Baszler shit. My God. You wonder why nobody's watching Monday Night Raw. <laughs> just just do a deep dive on the last few few weeks of this. You're gonna want to drink yourself into a stupor. What do you think I think of the Alexa Bliss Shayna Baszler storyline? I know our Facebook listeners know. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, just cow dumb, horse manure. <laughs> I mean, I just oh man. Um, Bruce Pritchard. I mean, this guy. I mean, was his biggest lesson, his biggest takeaway from when he was unemployed in 1991 and 1992 WF. Oh God, if I could have just got my hands on that ultimate warrior Papa Shango feud, it would have been good. <laughs> Is that what he looks back and thinks? Chat me, up. Chat me up, Bruce. Why the hell do you think that could have been good? <laughs> oh man. I mean, you look at the rest of this card, Bianca Belair and Bailey, I'm sure will be a really good match. Um, Roman and Ray will probably be very good as well. It's, it's one of those things though, where like we often see with these WWE pay-per-views, the television sucks. I'm not excited for the show. I'll watch the show. And it will exist in a vacuum as a good, as a good top to bottom card when it comes to wrestling matches. But like when you're coming out of the show, I mean, outside of Lashley and drew and and maybe what happens with Rhea Ripley, like long-term consequences probably aren't going to be much for this event. And it's not something like Kyle would often say on a pod, not something you're going to go back and rewatch most likely. But it's I'm, kind I'm of a sure lame duck show as the last pay-per-view before they welcome back fans in a way. Yeah. Although I mean, you know, at the same time, I do think it speaks volumes about those two performers we talked about. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll be reviewing it, uh, whether that's Sunday night or early on Monday. We'll be putting that out on our general podcasting feeds. Ash, thank you for the call, man. And, hey, if you're not a regular listener of, of our regular podcast, subscribe. Look us up wherever you find podcasts. All right. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, guys, if you're out there listening on our main feed, like I said, you want to hear the show every week. Uh, we post it in podcast form on Patreon every week as a bonus show in addition to the flagship show. Uh, but this week it's going out to the world, so you can kind of see what we're doing over here on the new Spotify app. And you can join us, like I said, every single week live. Get involved in the show just like Ash did with us this week. Look up the Spotify Green Room app on uh, Apple or on Android devices and follow Ryan Drosty and Kyle Ross. And we'll invite you when we go live. Um, Kyle, closing thoughts as we go into Father's Day weekend. You got anything else on the agenda besides uh, watching WWE Sunday night? All I need, Ryan, from you is a hug and a kiss. Oh, man. I appreciate that. You're, you're <laughs> yeah. sweet, man. Just a hug and a kiss. <laughs> if you could care, this whole spin the leg. We need a pro. I'll tell you what. I should find that. You should attach this if I can make a promotional request or don't and just cut this last little bit of rambling out the Dusty Rhodes promo. What a, a great Father's Day gift that would be for the listeners, though, if we attach that promo to it. <laughs> A top five promo in wrestling history. Absolutely. I will, I, will, I will play that in the outro if I can find it quick online for sure. Oh, sure. I'll, I'll find it for you right now. <laughs> so, hey, follow us on Twitter. The show is at Top Rope Nation. I am at Ryan Drosty. That's D-R-O-S-T-E. He is at T-R-P Kyle. Uh, our other co-host at Justin Joint. Justin will be back with us real soon. Hopefully you enjoyed this bonus podcast. We'll be talking to you after WWE 
Hell in a Cell on Sunday evening. Enjoy your Father's Day weekend and take care. Come here, Dustin. I want everybody to bear with me just for a minute. I want to talk to my son in front of the whole world. When you were born, when you were a baby, when you were born, I went off to seek my fame and fortune. I neglected you. Then later on, when I became world's heavyweight champion, I neglected you. Then lately I became this corporate cowboy, if you will, in public with a suit and tie on, and I neglected you. And when it came down to choose a partner, I was off in Hollywood, and I neglected you. Let me tell you something. Buckhouse Buck, let me tell you, Colonel Parker, they're all nothing but chicken thieves. That's all they are, brother. Let me tell you something else. Terry Funk is nothing but a low-life, watermelon thief, egg-sucking dog. And let me tell you something about Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson, my son, offered up his innocence and you paid him back in scorn. The hell with you, Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson has never been nothing but a walk behind her. And when you walk behind and you're not a leader, then the view never changes, baby. The view never changes, baby. The view never changes. You have the ability to be the world's heavyweight wrestling champion. There is not a greater athlete at your age in this sport. But I, I want to ask your favor. I want to ask your favor in front of I pray God in the whole world, I know that the Clash of Champions on August the 24th, you put your name on the dotted line. I don't want you to look for another partner. I don't want you to go and find another man. I don't want you to go out and get on your knees and bag another scum-sucking pig to be your partner. I'm asking you if you can tear this old out of shape. Oh, been out. Oh, spindle-legged man. I want to be your partner. I don't need no handshake. Because out there right now tonight, there's... There's people with their brothers and their sisters and their wives. They are blood. The Kennedys were blood. The Earths were blood. The roads are blood. I don't need a handshake. What I need now from you is just a hug and a kiss to seal the deal, baby.